Thank you, Dan and choir and instrumentalists for lovely worship today. Remind you tonight, always a sacred occasion in our church family, the Lord's Supper at 6 o'clock here in the sanctuary this evening. Turn your Bibles to Joshua 24, Joshua 24, the choice. Joshua 24, we'll be looking at various verses within that chapter. Moses had to be a hard act to follow. After old man Moses breathed his last on the slopes of Mount Pisgah, overlooking the promised land into which he never quite made it, the job of leading the Israelites fell to Joshua. Since the promised land was inhabited by a troop of native Canaanite tribes who weren't about to give it up without a fight, what was ahead was years at war. The eyes of Joshua and his people, this wasn't just any war. It was a holy war. It was God for whom they were fighting because God, centuries before, had given the land to Abraham and his descendants that through the people of God, all the nations of the earth would be blessed. Prisoners were not supposed to be taken. The spoils were not supposed to be divided because it was to Yahweh that they all belonged. I and Jericho fell like clay pigeons at the feet of Joshua. Everything that would burn was torched, and everything that wouldn't burn was put to the sword. In chapter 24, Joshua calls an assembly of the people at Shechem. Abraham had built an altar there at Shechem, and Jacob had purchased a plot of ground from the Shechemites and had built a, an altar site as well. It was already a sacred space, holy ground to ancient Israel. It was a place for, on this occasion, the solemn assembly. Look at verse 1 of chapter 24. Then Joshua gathered all the tribes of Israel to Shechem and called for the elders of Israel and for their heads and their judges and their officers, and they presented themselves before God. Everyone was to be there. It was a sacred moment in the history of God's people. Everyone was expected to show up, the elders, the chiefs, the judges, the officers. They were all expected to show up, not before Joshua, but before God. Look, they presented themselves, verse 1, before God. It was a day to make a choice. We all have to make choices. We all have to make decisions. We are confronted with a myriad of choices constantly. That can make life difficult sometimes. What would you do? President Lyndon Johnson used to tell the story about making big, quick decisions. A man applied for a job as a flagman at the railroad now before the electric and the GPS and all the computer controlling of the trains. It was done by hand by flagmen at the crossings, and, well, he was given a test. Imagine you're the flagman at a crossing, and you only have one track, and to the east there's a, 
a train that is coming 95 miles per hour to the west. On the same track, there's a train coming 100 miles per hour. There's only one track. They're only one mile apart to the potential flagman. What would you do if you're in charge of this crossing? He replied, I'd call my brother and tell him to get down to the, to the crossing. Well, why on earth would you call your brother? Because he ain't never seen a train wreck before, the man replied. <laughs> like the job applicant, we too sometimes are, are guilty of making bad choices or bad decisions at some point in life. Well, in verse 14, Israel needs to make a good decision but a hard decision. In verse 14, notice, Now therefore fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and truth and put away the gods which your fathers served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. The call is to fear the Lord. Fearing the Lord summarizes the attitude of the Old Testament about our relationship with God. It is that attitude of awe and reverence which befits a child of God as he thinks about both his maker and his redeemer. This fear was desired and approved by God. We see it over over again, Deuteronomy 4, Deuteronomy 6, three different times that we are to fear the Lord. It was a, a wholehearted sincerity too. Notice that we are to fear him and serve him in sincerity and in truth. Sincerity is a word that means completeness, integrity, or fullness in their devotion to God. In sincerity and truth, there was to be a harmony between their outward worship of Yahweh and their inward being. Well, now the children of Israel had a history of loyalty problems, so no surprise that Joshua has called them and asked them to commit. Wherever they settled, they tended to take on the gods of the peoples with whom they were dwelling. They tended to take on the gods of the culture in which they resided rather than focusing on their creator and their redeemer, Yahweh. Glad we don't take on the gods of our culture anymore. Gods of materialism, success, sex, sports, beauty, or power. The gods of our culture, which we would never dabble in, of course. When the Israelites were in Egypt... They tended to worship the sun gods and the gods of the river. And now that they had settled in Canaan, the the temptation was going to be they were taking on the gods of the people with whom they dwelt and whom they had defeated. So Joshua declares, you've got to make a choice. You can't continue on like this. You have to make a decision. Are you going to worship the living and the true God, the God of your fathers? Are you going to forsake him and choose the other gods? But as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. As God's dealings with humankind continue to unfold in Scripture, We eventually come to that place called Calvary where God's redemptive purposes come to full fruition and the death and the sacrifice and the resurrection of his son, Jesus Christ. That gracious and loving and merciful and sacrificial death 
that took place some 2,000 years ago. Each one of us finds ourselves at the point of the ancient Israelites. We're forced to make a decision about whom we're going to worship. Like Pontius Pilate on that day, we on this day have to ask ourselves, what will I do with Jesus, the one who is called the Christ? What will I do with Jesus, the one who is called the Christ? The choice and decision we make and respond to that question, like the question that faced the ancient Israelites, we will choose God's way or our way. And that choice for them then and for us now has eternal consequences. Your choice this morning will make the difference between eternal life or eternal death, a meaningful life or a life without purpose. Well, I want us to notice some things about ultimate choices this morning, about the choice of Christ. First of all, it's a necessary choice. The decision to accept or reject Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior is a necessary choice. You either call him Lord or you refuse to acknowledge his lordship. In fact, the decision not to decide is a decision to decide that he is not Lord. You cannot put it off or hedge your bets or pretend like it's a choice you don't have to make. If you don't make the choice, you have already made the choice that he's not your Lord. There have been men in history before who've tried and attempted to put off or delay or ignore that decision about Jesus. Men and women who have tried to ride the fence thought they could delay the decision. I think about Pilate, probably the first one in regard to Jesus to try to delay that choice. Are you the king of the Jews? It is as you say. His wife tells him, I've had a restless night. I have dreamt about him and he's a righteous man and have nothing to do with his death. And Pilate goes over and he washes his hand as if to say, I have nothing to do with this choice. I'm not making a choice. I'm not putting him to death. I'm innocent of this man's blood. But he still had to make a choice, didn't he? We all face that choice that Pilate faced. What shall I do do then with this Jesus, the one who is called the Messiah? What shall I do with Jesus? It did not work for Pilate, and it will not work for you to try to delay the decision. We cannot sit on the fence in regard to Jesus Even as the Jews demanded that Pilate make a choice, even as Joshua demanded that the ancient Israelites choose that day, today the Scripture itself demands that you make a choice. The hearing and the understanding of the gospel message is to be confronted with the necessity of the ultimate choice. Jesus says in Scripture, you're either for me or you are against me. There are no neutral positions in regard to his lordship. Jack Eckerd, the founder of Eckerd Drugstore chain, former founder and CEO, was an aggressive, 
honest, highly successful businessman. But in his book, Eckerd, the, the Right Prescription, he wrote that he had everything in life that one would ever want materially, but he, he still felt like life was meaningless. And, well, he just, he was dissatisfied and he was restless. And a, a friend saw this in him and confronted him with the story of Jesus and asked him about his choice to follow the Christ. And, well, he was always reluctant to make that decision. He, he thought someday, some way, he might make that decision, but not today. And he always put it off until his friend said, Jack, you keep sitting on the fence. You're supposed to be one of these hot shot business guys who can make fast decisions and important decisions. Well, when are you going to make up your mind about the only decision that really matters? Eckerd wrote in his biography there, that day, I chose to trust Christ, and I've never been on the fence since that day. Life's greatest choice is a necessary choice. Even as the patriarch posed the question to ancient Israel, the question is posed to you today, what are you going to do? Who are you going to serve? Well, there's a, a second aspect of this choice. It's a, it's a personal choice. Notice what he says in verse 15. If it is disagreeable in your sight to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves today. I've made my choice, Joshua saying, but it's a personal choice. You choose for yourself whom you're going to worship. Joshua becomes something of an attorney. He's pushing for a verdict of the lordship of Yahweh, but he leaves him space to say no. The call for ancient Israel was a personal choice. The doorway to heaven to eternal life is just one person wide. Every person must make her or his own ultimate choice for themselves. Your grandparents' faith won't get you a place in the kingdom. Your parents' faith does no good in regard to your own faith. The question is a personal choice. What about you? Normally when we think about ancient Israel, we think rightly when we think about this sense of a corporate identity, they were together the people of God, and that is true. But here in this passage, on this day of the ultimate choice, it is a personal, individual decision. Like Joshua says, you choose for yourself what you're going to do, but I, me and my household, we will serve the Lord. What will you do with that choice? You have not, you cannot, and you will not inherit your faith. It is a personal choice. Here's a third thing. It's an urgent, urgent choice. Look at verse 15. Choose you today whom you will serve. Choose right now whom you're going to serve. Several years ago, a television crew after Hurricane Andrew was in South Florida, and 
They went to a neighborhood, and all the houses in the neighborhood were completely toppled except for one guy, and his house was standing strong, and he was picking up the debris. And so the news reporter asked the obvious question, the houses of all your neighbors have been utterly destroyed. How does your house stand? The man said, well, I'm not sure. I did build this house myself, and I followed to the letter of the law the Florida State Building Code, when it called for a two-by-six roof truss, I used a two-by-six rough roof truss. When it called for the hurricane clamp, I used the hurricane clamp. I, I did everything I was supposed to do. I was told if you built a house by that code, it would stand a hurricane. I did, and it did. That's all I know to tell you. Perhaps none of the other builders built to the code. When the sun is shining, the skies are blue, sometimes build ourselves on something less than the foundation of obedience to God's Word. But the storm's coming, the hurricane's on its way, and the urgent choice must be made today. It's an urgent choice. Choose today who you're going to serve. Scripture says, behold, today is a day of salvation. Life is so fragile, isn't it? George Bernard Shaw stated that life's ultimate statistic is the same for everyone. One out of one dies every single time. Sometimes in our minds, when it comes to choosing Christ, we think, well, after I, I graduate from college, I'll get serious about my faith, or after I'm married, or, or when we get children, then we'll re-engage with church and with our faith, and the next thing, the next thing, and, and Joshua stands, and Joshua says today, choose today to walk in the walk of faith. You know, I was astonished, and maybe it's because I see death so often. I told you last week we had nine deaths in seven days, but when NBA star Kobe Bryant died, you, you, people acted like the first time they had ever discovered death. I mean, because he was an NBA star, it was a tragedy, but the reality is death is no respecter of persons. It doesn't matter how talented you are or how famous you are. It was a tragedy that Kobe Bryant and his daughter just in January of 2020 went down in that helicopter crash. And yet somehow it, it rattled the whole world as if we discovered for the first time that life is a fragile thing and life can be snatched away at any moment. It has always been true and it always will be true. And therefore, it is an urgent choice. And today is the day to make that choice. Well, there's something else about this choice. That is, number four, it's a logical choice. Verse 2, he begins to rehearse how God has intersected and helped ancient Israel. And Joshua said to all the people, thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, from ancient times your fathers lived beyond the, the river, namely Terah, the father of Abraham, the father of Nahor. They served other gods. Then I took your father Abraham from beyond the river and led him through the land of Canaan and multiplied his descendants and gave him Isaac. And to Isaac I gave Jacob and to Jacob Esau. He goes on and then verse 6 he says, I delivered them out of Egypt. 
They came through the sea. He begins to tell the story. Verse 12, I, I drove out the Amorites with hornets that you could have this land. And it is a logical choice. When you look at all that God has done for you, he is your maker, your creator, your provider, your sustainer. Won't you let him be your redeemer too? Joshua is saying, this is the God that led you out of Egypt. This is the God that saved you with the Passover lamb. Won't you choose, he says. And fifthly and finally, it's, it's a hard choice. Verse 16, the people say, oh, far be it from us that we should forsake the Lord and serve other gods. Immediately they say, it's a personal choice. It's an urgent choice. We choose. We will worship Yahweh. But he reminds them, verse 19, you will not be able to serve the Lord. He is a holy God. He is a jealous God. What he's saying is this. Don't just jump on the bandwagon. This is a serious choice. It's a life-changing choice. He rearranges every priority that you have in life. Life will never be lived the same. You have a new master, a new Lord. It is Christ, the resurrected one. It's a hard choice to serve Yahweh. Don't take it lightly. Even though it's logical, it will require all of your allegiance to be on Jesus. Some of you here today and some of you watching by way of television, God has orchestrated in your life that this very moment, this Sunday morning is your morning to say yes to Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Maybe you're there still in bed waking up. You forgot to change your clock, but this is your divine appointment right now. Maybe they're having your breakfast and got the newspaper in one hand and listening to me at the same time. This is your day. Today is a day of salvation. It's an urgent choice. It's a personal choice. It's a logical choice. And it's a hard choice. Not an easy decision to make, and nor would I want you to make it lightly, Joshua says. Choose you this day whom you will serve. Joshua says, I've already made my personal choice. Me and my house, we're going to go with Yahweh. Yahweh is the one who created. Yahweh is the one that called Abraham. Yahweh is the one that spared Isaac. Yahweh is the one through whom Jacob came along. Yes, when you were in Egypt and you were slaves, it was Yahweh who sent Moses, the first Savior, the first type of Messiah, Moses, to lead you out to redemption. And now we know today the second Moses, the real Messiah, has come to lead us out, the real Passover lamb, as we see tonight, to lead us to salvation. And Joshua turns and says, you cannot equivocate forever. It is an urgent, necessary choice. It is a choice for this moment, right now, today. Make your choice. 
And your grandmother's choice isn't going to help you. Your father's choice isn't going to help you. Your neighbor's choice isn't going to help you. Your choice today, right now, ultimate and urgent. Will you say, I'm a sinner and I need a Savior. He died in my place, resurrected the third day, ascended to the right hand of the Father, and I'll wait for him to return for the church. That's the story that I choose. What do you choose? I can't do your choice any more than Joshua could do their choice. Let us pray. Oh God, there's some who hear the sound of this message today. It's not my message. It's not even Joshua's message. It's a message of Yahweh and transformed to the message of our Christ. There's some here this morning, perhaps some in this room, certainly others watching by way of television who need to make that ultimate choice today to say, Oh God, I'm a sinner. I repent of my sins. I invite Jesus Christ in my life to be my Lord and my Savior. I'm driving a stake in the ground that this is the day that I have said yes to the only choice that really matters. I will serve the one who created me. I will follow the one who redeemed me. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.